Welcome to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. I look back now and I think, gosh, you know, I just, I love what I do. I really love what I do. And I think, gosh, you know, if I had just known about accounting the first time through, you know, things would have been put simpler. Like, you know, but then I wouldn't have the varied experience that I do. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for Life and Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. We have a unique guest on the program this week, Connie Clark. I originally met Connie when we were both serving in our respective chapters of TSCPA. I've had many accountants along the way that decided to go into IT later on in their career, but not too many IT professionals that later became accountants, or at least not that I remember. You're going to hear Connie talk about this journey, but basically she was given the idea to become a CPA by a friend of hers, and she was blessed with some extraordinary mentors along the way, plus a job that really worked with her needs as a mother of two earlier on in her career. So there really have been many keys that led to her success. Connie is a very generous individual with her time, and I appreciated that she made it a priority to share some of it with us on this podcast. Without further ado, here's Connie Clark, partner at Basquet Lay & Company in Austin, Texas. Well, hello, Connie. Thank you for making the time for this. I, I know everyone feels like summer, it, you know, it should be an easy time to schedule, but everybody's busy even in the summer. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time out for this. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, Marcus. My pleasure. Wonderful. Well, I want to invite you on the show because I like to have people from different walks of life, so to speak, you know, different areas of accounting to sort of showcase all the opportunities that there are out there. But I also like to get people from different backgrounds. And, you know, we've had people that started out to be engineers and became accountants. We've had individuals, obviously, that started out as financial professionals and then went back for their accounting degree and became CPAs. We've had CPAs that went into to IT, or I know I've run across individuals like that. But you're the first person that was an IT professional that later on decided to become a CPA, at least that we've had on the show. So I'm really looking forward to this. Thank you very much. If you don't mind, let's start back at the beginning, back in your IT career or even before that. and Let's tell the story of how that transition happened. How did you decide to become an accountant or what were you doing in IT at the time? Well, I'd like to start even before then. I was sure. born and raised in Michigan. Okay. So I wasn't even a, I wasn't even brought up in Texas. So I was born and raised in Michigan. I have an MBA in finance from Michigan State. And in the early 90s, the job market was such there just wasn't any jobs in Michigan. And my husband ended up getting his job with Dell here in Austin. So we moved down here in 1992 
And the first job that I picked up was for Lotus Development. Remember, remember the old spreadsheet days, Lotus One Two Three. <laughs> yes. 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 That was the, the diehard. Most of the financial professionals were the diehard users of Lotus One Two Three. And those days was just when Microsoft Excel was was just getting its foothold, and I did tech support for that, which then turned into some database support, some information mining, and some workflow development. So there became my IT career. So from from then though, I you know got married and had two children, and I found that the IT side of things was technology was moving so fast. As a mother of young children, I was just having trouble keeping up. You know, this is when the internet just came of age, and you had JavaScript and applets, and you know, I just couldn't keep up. And one of my friends said to me, "Have you ever thought of being a CPA?" I think you would be really good at it. And I thought, huh, no, that's never crossed my mind. So I looked into it, you know, went out to the Texas State Board of Accountancy and found the requirements of what it would take to be a CPA. What I found out is I just had to take a couple of classes at Austin Community College would qualify me to sit for the exam. And I thought to myself, I can, I can do that. Wow. And so I, I did. So I took a couple of classes over a year. I took it, you know, in, in the evenings and I sat for the exam. I passed all four parts in five months, you know, and then at, at that I was waiting for work experience, you know, in order to qualify for my CPA. And one of my professors at Austin Community College had reached out to me and told me about the Austin chapter. So I called the Austin chapter and I talked to Lucy down there and she said, well, let me put you in touch with some of our current board members. I think someone can, can help you. So they did. And put, she put me in touch with Diana Sullivan, who was then in charge of membership at the Austin chapter. And we went to lunch and she said, you know, your story sounds a lot like mine. I did my work experience part-time when my kids were about the same age as your kids. Someone will hire you on your terms, uh, part-time, you know, and that's exactly what happened. So, so I went to work for a firm in Round Rock, Pena Swayze. Okay. I was there for, you know, obviously we got licensed and I was there for five years. And about the time I was licensed, our managing partner, Steve Pena, was nominated to the State Board of Accountancy. So at my swearing-in ceremony, he was able to present my certificate to me. Wow, that was, that's special. Yeah, that's just, just really cool. <laughs> just, just, just really cool. And it's interesting. I look back, you know, that was 10 years ago. I look back now and I think, gosh, you know, I just, I love what I do. I really love what I do. And I think, gosh, you know, if, if I had just known about accounting the first time through, you know, things would have been such simpler. Like, you know, but then I wouldn't have the varied experience that I do. You know, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm a technical CPA and I understand finance as well. Okay. Okay. You know, just to circle back on on a few things there. What, what more or less? What year was this that you went back to school and started sitting for the exam? Well, I sat. I tested in two thousand and seven. Okay. So I must have been taking my classes in two thousand and six. So I know, and it was on the the computerized version. I believe that started in two thousand and four. Okay. So, and it was interesting because, you know, here in Austin, they only have one testing center and you know, it's such a long test. You can either pick an eight o'clock time or a one o'clock time. Well, it's way south and it's a long commute from North Austin where I, li- where I lived at the time. 
And so you kind of had to coordinate with traffic and stuff how to, how to do that. <laughs> and what ended up happening is, is I ended up partnering. There was an, a CPA who was licensed in Arizona who was a mom and of one of the other students in my daughter's class. And she's the one who took my kids after school so I could test. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So it's about CPAs helping other CPAs. Wow. I'm sorry. I was still, I was also hooked on past four parts in five months that you were making a CPA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just didn't and know it, it yet. I know. I know. I, I used to think, gosh, I, you know, I just look, used to look forward to the time where I only had to go to work because I was taking the, the ethics class at night at the time and I was working 30 hours. This is from February to July. So this is through a busy season. Luckily, though, I mean, I had such a great employer that I was only working 30 hours, even through busy season. So I had I had a day off to study. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I know this is diverging a little bit, but it's a very important part of your story. How how hard was it to find that employer that would work with you on your terms, as you said? You know, I, I'm a firm believer in, in fate. Things happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. And this is why, I mean, this is after Diana Sullivan and I had had lunch and she said she had done her work experience with an attorney CPA and it just come across you. Someone will, I actually, I answered a Craigslist ad and it wasn't even looking for what I was, they were looking for an audit manager and, <laughs> you know, and it, it just clicked. It, it just clicked. So did you start an audit or are you just, no. that's how you got your foot in the door, but it was tax? No, I, I started, I mean, I was just a candidate at the time. I think I sent my application in something of, you know, I'm, I know I'm not qualified audit manager, but maybe you could use me in another capacity. Wow. <laughs> that, that was meant to be. You're, you're right. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, it's, yeah. And it was just, you know, five miles from my house and it just turned out to be life-changing. So how long were you with Pena? I was there for five years. They, they merged in with a larger firm, and that wasn't a, a match for me. And so okay. then I ended up where I am now, Pasquillet. Okay. Well, tell us about your, your current firm, Pasquillet. What, how, how large yeah. the practice is? So, mm-hmm. Yep. So t- today we have three partners. I, I'm one of three partners, the only female. And we are 11 CPAs and about 16 people total. We have two locations, one in Austin and one in Georgetown. Okay. Any specialties in particular? We do everything from bookkeeping through audit and review. We're a full-service firm. Okay. Wow. Right. And you're, you're a partner there? Or did you I'm start out here. As a partner, or how did that? No, no, happen? I was a I was a tax manager for a year, and then I was promoted to to partner. Okay, congratulations! That's fast. <laughs> they know talent when they see it. That's good. Wonderful. Well, I didn't realize you had the MBA in finance. That's sort of intriguing as well. But regarding your IT background, do you feel that's benefited you in any way in what you do now, or you know, along the path that you took? I do, actually. I, I feel that the competition with CPA firms with just tax preparation services is fairly stiff. There's a different standard that CPA firms are held to that just a, a bookkeeping firm or a tax preparation service don't have, almost to the point of the product that you're producing is nearing a commodity level how you differentiate yourself is a level of service that you're able to provide by being a licensed professional that holds a 
certification that you know what you're doing. And some of the consulting services and some of the tax planning and estate planning offerings that you're able to provide that those other types of services don't. How you remain competitive is through technology. You work smarter, not harder. So here at Foskele, we we invest in quality research tools, quality software, and training of our staff. Okay. Okay. You mentioned earlier, and I know I'm tangent, there's so many little items that I made notes on that I wanted to circle back on. You mentioned how being involved in the chapter or initially approaching the chapter helped you basically get your, your first accounting job, it sounds like, and, and that got you the experience that you needed to become a CPA. You served as president there at the Austin chapter here. Not I did. Long ago. Yeah. Yes. What other benefits have you seen from volunteering with the chapter? What other personal benefits, I guess, have you seen? Yeah. Well, right from the get-go with that, that first meeting, then I started going to some of the student events and just really built my confidence to go out and you know, really define what it was I was looking for. And I think maybe that also helped me to have the confidence just to fall in to what I ended up doing. But I joined the Austin Chapters leadership program very oh, okay. early on. That was something I thought was interesting and I brought it to my employer and they supported that. And so I was in part of their, their leadership program. Coming out of that, I was nominated for a position on the Overseas Council. Okay. Uh, so I served there for a year and then I ended up, I was on the board for four years in different positions before I was nominated for president. And then, of course, you do the three-year cycle between the president-elect, president, and immediate past president. And so this, we've, we've just started with the new fiscal year of TSCPA. I'm, I haven't been on the board for seven years. Wow. So, but I, I do feel it's, it's, it's important to give back. It doesn't really take a lot of your time. A lot of the committees that you're doing, it's, it's email correspondence and coordination with with things and it's it's just important to give back to your profession. I agree. I agree. I think that sometimes people overestimate the level or the amount of time, you know, that's going to be required. Mm-hmm. I also feel it's as a partner in a CPA firm, it's it's important to network with other CPAs at all levels, whether it's partners in another firm or staff at, at other firms. You've just got that professional camaraderie that sometimes a client may come in that's not a good fit for my firm, but I know someone else that it would be a good fit for with something that they do and vice versa, or just a a professional consultation. If you come across an issue you haven't seen before, sometimes it's nice to have someone else to to bounce an idea off of. Okay. What are your thoughts on sort of the the future of public accounting? Are there any major themes or, or I guess, disruptors that you see coming? You mentioned, for instance, like the commoditization of, of tax preparation and how service is important and, and obviously technology. Any other thoughts on Well, on what we're kind of seeing, and, and from what I've heard from TSCPA, that this is, this is a nationwide problem, but there isn't enough young people coming into the profession and sitting for the exam and getting a CPA license or they start off in public accounting and they don't quite get the CPA license and they go off to industry or or maybe they are a licensed CPA and move into industry and then it's the perception that they've left the profession. Well, industry CPAs are the ones who really need the society the most. You know, you may be the only CPA at your firm and it's important to be informed on 
current professional issues going on. But what we're seeing is is that the lack of young people that are sitting and becoming CPAs and the number of the baby boomer generation that are retiring, there's a lot that are leaving the profession. There's just not enough people coming in to replace it. Has the Austin chapter taken any specific steps to try to to mitigate that issue? Well, at the Austin chapter, we actually have eight universities within our region, which I think is probably a, one of the higher numbers statewide as far as no, number of institutions that offer accounting degrees. But the problem that the Austin chapter has, though, is that there there aren't enough entry-level jobs to keep those students in Austin once they graduate from school. But we do have outreach programs with, with all of our universities we do have connections with. But the students graduate and leave. They go someplace else. But we, we do try to get them connected to TSCPA so that they'll find a chapter wherever it is that they move to when they get their first job and are in the profession and they're ready to sit for the exam. Interesting. It's funny to hear you say that because actually we we lost one of our student leaders in San Antonio to a job in Austin. <laughs> he yeah. see. He's he's now on our oversight council. <laughs> okay. She brought, Brian was a former podcast guest as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny to hear you say that. Yeah. And actually, the other individual that worked with him quite a bit on the student initiatives went to Houston. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that's just the thing, you know, but those of you know we we recognize that we are a student chapter that we have we have a large number of, of students that are here and we we try to get them connected in so that they'll remain connected when they move elsewhere. That's a good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's a universal issue. Is obviously you the student population is going to move, you know, or potentially. So well, or even if it's an out-of-state move, it's the same thing. You know, if they've had a good experience with the professional society here as a student, then, you know, when they move out of state, they'll look for the society in, in their new state. Mm. How do you, I'm curious, you mentioned that you had gotten involved as a student, right? Yes. Okay. How did you find out about the chapter originally? Was it through it was college? Through, or? Yeah, it was one of, one of my professors at Austin Community College. Okay. In that that year that I was taking the accounting classes, one of the professors had, had mentioned it, and then we learned about the student membership and and whatnot. And really, I mean, our our student membership is only thirty five dollars for the year, and that, that is a very good price for what it is that you get in return. Sure, sure. Now that makes a lot of sense. We're we're looking at the faculty relationships in San Antonio as well because we're seeing that's key as to whether or not the individual is going to pursue the exam. I think there's many people realizing that right now. So, right. Uh, well, to, to build on Austin Community College, so that that's I sit on the accounting advisory committee at Austin Community College today, and you know, we, we meet twice a year, and they are connecting with business leaders. You know what it is that they're looking for their accounting grads. And they offer several programs. It's not just the technical certificate for the CPA track, but they also offer a bookkeeping track or, you know, your two-year associate's degree track. You know, they've got different levels that they offer. But it's it's a nice way to check in that the educational institution is making sure that the students they're producing are going to be marketable in their local community. Yes. Yes, that is very important. I'm sorry, I've digressed a little bit here from <laughs> from, from your background, but it, it just it's a topic that's interesting to me the the future pipeline of CPAs because I, I do oh it's see that it's important it's important 
definitely. Well, sort of along those lines, I interviewed Tim Pike here recently that's a partner with Howard in Dallas. He's very active with TSCPA as well. And, and he was talking about his insight or his thoughts on what it means to be a partner at a CPA firm. You know, what, what are your thoughts on that? How would you define what it means to be a partner? Well, that's a difficult question. I think first and foremost is you're, you're seen as, as a leader. You're a leader in your firm. You're a leader to your staff. You're training the future generation of CPAs coming up behind you, but you're also a leader in your community. You know, CPAs hold the, the business background and the education background. A lot of nonprofits will reach out. They'd like to have a CPA on, on their board, not just as treasurer, but just on their board in general, I think just gives you a, a stronger board if you've got someone doing the, the financials and then you've got a CPA that's checking the financials. But I do think to be involved in your community with your chamber of commerce, that CPAs are, are just seen as, as being a leader and it's, it's important to give back. Beautiful. Yeah, actually, that's an area I think I've been a little underrepresented in guest, which I'm hoping to fix that here soon. But in the nonprofit community, we, we did have an individual that effectively was a retired CPA that is currently the president for Daily Bread Ministries uh, down here in South Texas. And he was talking about sort of the benefit of being a CPA, even though he's really in more of an operational position now. I really think it, it can benefit you in many ways. And and you're right, it's it's a respected it's respected by the, the general community. So that yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Before we get to the final questions, I wanted to just cover a couple other things. You you have some nonprofit involvement, correct, with the community foundation? I think you mentioned I do. I do. I do. I'm I'm of course, you know, involved with the, the Georgetown Chamber of Commerce and okay. our Rotary Club out in Sun City. I'm a member of that as well. And I, I sit on the board for the Chisholm Trail Community Foundation, which hmm. is a local community foundation here for Williamson County. Do any of those organizations have any upcoming events? This is going to come out in late July. And so it, are there any you know events later this year that that you'd like to make sure the, the audience knows about? <laughs> yeah, so the Chisholm Trail Community Foundation has their big event coming up on October 19th. It's a fast pitch. It allows the local community to experience the mission of the Community Foundation, which is to bridge donors to nonprofits with solutions to meet real community needs here in Williamson County. And basically, our community foundation is, I guess, a, a, it plants seeds of small nonprofits. It allows them to give them some, some basics of being a nonprofit, allows them to grow. Once they're big enough, they spin off into their own nonprofit. So th- this year's event is going to be focused on art and culture nonprofits, and it's a film or a, a video competition that we've we've had a local videographer that's going to go out to our finalists and tape a little three-minute commercial, if you will, for them that they can then use for marketing purposes on their own websites. And then the, the actual fast pitch day, they'll be playing those videos and then there'll be a panel of judges that vote and first place award is $10,000. Oh my gosh. So if you're a nonprofit and you're looking for funding for a program, 
Yeah. You go well, this one, this, this one is, is neat this year in, in that it's, it's focusing on art and culture's nonprofits. Art and culture, um, okay. Yeah, last year we've had art and culture as well as just a general category. However, the, the board felt that the art and culture, it tends to be underserved in our particular area. And so it was important to the board just, just to focus on art and culture this year. Okay. What's the website for the Community Foundation? It is chisholm-trail.org. Okay. For those of us that are spelling challenged, that's C-H-I-S-H-O-L-M, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was pretty sure I had it right, but I wanted to know. Yeah, no, that's it. right. Wonderful. Chisholm-trail.org. Perfect. Well, when I do the written version of the show notes, I'll, I'll make sure I include a link to that as well. Okay, and, cool. Oh, that's a very generous top award. That's going to be nice for one of the nonprofits. Beautiful. Is there anything going on there at, at Basque Lay that, that you'd like to highlight? Or are you guys going to be bringing any interns in for the, for the spring? You know, we're a small firm, so we don't really have a, a formal intern program. However, we're always looking for qualified candidates. And I think that's probably the same event any public firm. Sure. So we're all just always on, in hiring mode. Okay. That's smart. <laughs> well, there's three questions I end every podcast with, and I wanted to go ahead and get to those because I, I know we're about half an hour into this. So first of all, what has been your proudest moment? My proudest moment as a CPA was probably my swearing-in ceremony. Hmm. Yeah, my, my husband and my children, who were only 8 and 10 at the time, were there as well as you know, the swearing in ceremony is, is held in Austin mm-hmm. and was important to me. The Austin chapter members usher that event as volunteers and many of them that were there that day, I felt helped bring me to that point. And then of course, Steve Pena being on the state board, giving me my certificate was, was I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, are you tearing up? That's, I'm tearing up a little bit. <laughs> It was a special moment. It was a special <laughs> moment. Oh, my goodness. That was unexpected. <laughs> well, so. well, thank you. We, we like the episode to be real. So <laughs> That's wonderful. It, it, has he retired or is he still in the community? He is still in the, active in the community. Okay. He, has his, he specializes in litigation services today. Yeah. He's got an office here. In, uh, well, he lives in Georgetown. His office is in Round Rock. Okay. Okay. And Wonderful. he's still on the state board today. Oh, okay. Wonderful. Well, the second question I ask everybody, and, and the more open you can be, the better. Tell us about a mistake you've made and what you learned from it, of course. But frankly, the, the bigger the mistake, the better. That's a really difficult question. I guess, it, I don't know. Anything you wish you would have done differently? We've already talked about a little bit that, you know, if I had been an accounting major in, in college, you know, if you would have just not had that IT background for 14 years. Mm-hmm. But then again, I, I think that helps with the diversity of who I am today. So that's not really a mistake. It's just, just, just a different path. I, I think, I mean, in, in general, when you find that you've made a mistake, it's, it's important to own up to it and come out with the truth and, and apologize and, and move on from it. Actually, that's a, a recurring theme through a lot of the episodes is that the most important thing is when, when you do realize that a mistake's been made to just go ahead and own up to it so we can get past this and, and move forward. So 
yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It sounds like you've had some some good mentors in your career. So thinking this question may be easy, what's some of the best advice you've ever received? You're absolutely right, Mark, that I have been fortunate in my career to have some great CPA mentors. I think Diana Sullivan at the time to tell me that if someone will hire you for on your terms was was important. And certainly, you know, Steve Pena was a mentor of mine as well. I, I think, you know, just to, to, to be yourself, to be real, and just to, to do things that's, that are important to you and true to your heart. Wonderful. Yeah, I love that as well, that someone will hire you on your terms. Because, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a matter of figuring out what you, what really your needs are and, and then trying to search that out. One of our other guests hit on something like that as well. Thank you. Yeah, very much. well, that, that's exactly right. I mean, at, at the time, I mean, my, my children weren't even in middle school and they really needed someone at home in the afternoon. That was something that was important to us as a family. And so a part time schedule at that time in our lives was what we needed. You know, a, a, a big four type of track wasn't a good fit for what I was looking for. So certainly, CPA profession is, there are a lot of career changers coming in, and there's, there's a lot of people that are in that situation. And certainly, the way I've seen staffing in a public firm, that you know, part-time works well. And I think it's, it's important to know that, that that's something that, that's completely realizable. Yeah, I see, I see more and more individuals choosing that as well. That makes a lot of sense. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate you taking the time out for this. I, I knew that it would be an interesting story of, of how you started in IT and, and moved into accounting, but I hadn't really thought about the whole commoditization issue and, and how having a technology background just makes it easier for, for you and, and potentially your firm as well to, to take advantage of that as a competitive advantage. So I really appreciate that. I think this is going to give some people some good insights into opportunities. Thank you very much. Awesome. Well, thank you, Mark. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Well, I hope you have a great summer and hope to run into you again at a state society event here pretty soon. Well, I hope so too. All right. Thanks, Scott. Okay. Thanks, Mark. That was Connie Clark, a partner with the firm of Basquet Lay & Company in Austin, Texas. As you could tell from her comments in the last few minutes of the interview, she really did have some strong mentors along the way that helped make it possible for her to continue to grow and eventually get to the place where she is today. And she's really very cognizant of the importance of giving back to both the profession and her community, both of which she mentioned there near the end. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. If you haven't yet visited our homepage, please check it out at www.whereaccountantsgo.com online. We have show notes for each of our episodes, job leads for the Texas area for accounting professionals, and links to all the accounting certifications that can help move you along in your career as well. We'll be back next week with another interview with an everyday hero in the accounting world. Until then, stay tuned. I'm Mark Goldman, your host for Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. And there's more to come.